the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Kim McNicholas on innovation. Spotlighting successful entrepreneurs, innovators, investors, and industry experts. Their stories and insights can help you become better informed, better educated, and a better investor. Your host is Emmy Award-winning anchor, reporter, and writer Kim McNicholas. Kim has been a journalist at Forbes magazine, a Fox News Channel contributor, vetted more than 3,000 startups, and has been a mentor for entrepreneurs around the globe. Now, Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome to the show. We have a special show planned. We have the most innovative practical gifts for car owners this holiday season. First, we're going to talk to Enon Weiss. He is the founder and CEO of a company called CarDash. And every one of our cars has an issue every now and again. So I really like CarDash because it's concierge service for getting your car fixed. Someone comes to your house, they pick up the keys, they come to your office, they pick up the keys, they go to the mechanic, they act as a liaison for your car, and they get the, the car fixed for you and bring it right back. Right, Enon? Yes, Kim, and thanks for having me on here. <laughs> Did I describe it right? Yes, better than I could. Absolutely. People hate taking care of their car, and that's why, and I hate take care, taking care of my car, and that's why we're here, here to, here to make it easy for people. So give us more specifically how it works. Yeah, so whether somebody has a check engine light on or they need an oil change, or we also do body work, like scratches and dents and uh, even cleaning, whatever somebody needs for their car, we're here to make it as easy as possible for them. We'll pick it up. We'll pick up their car from home or from work, and they get all the modern customer service you would expect with a reason, reasonable technology company. You get text message notifications. You get, e- you get email notifications. You get pictures sent to you throughout the day. We service your advocates. We know cars. So we service your advocate when it goes to the shop, make sure that it only gets the necessary work, make sure you get a good price. We're about 30% less than a dealer. We oversee the work so you can have a stress-free day, enjoy your Saturday with your family, or take care of whatever you need to do at work. And then when the work is done, we bring the car back to you, and you, know, you go about your day. And are these select partner mechanics? Yes, we have a CarDash certification program. We look for, for mechanics that have been in business for a long time. Usually they're family businesses. They've been around for years, if not decades. We evaluate them. So, for example, we may bring them a car and tell them it needs front and rear brakes. But we know it only needs front brakes. And so we expect them to tell us, Hey, these rear brakes seem fine. Why do you, you know, what's the deal? And so we evaluate them that way. And because we bring them a significant percentage of their business, some shops, we bring them half their business. 
And so they have the incentive to be very upfront, very honest, very transparent with us, which allows us to lower the cost for the consumer. And obviously we pass that savings back to the consumer. Because I would think that that would be the biggest concern about using your service is that you'd be in cahoots in a sense with the mechanics and you'd get a bunch of kickbacks if they did in fact end up charging more or finding more things supposedly wrong with the car. Right. Well, I mean, that was how I felt before this business. I felt that I and my wife and people I knew could be being taken advantage of by mechanics. You know, cars do need service. Cars do need maintenance. There's plenty of a market and a business to build here. And we want to build a business that provides that service in a way that's honest and transparent uh, and delivers that uh, you know full integrity and full convenience service to the customer and win the customer that way. You know, we're not we don't want to be in businesses with companies that are trying to make an extra buck off a off a customer by making something up. That's just not that's just dishonest. Nobody wants that. And so walk us through because I just can't imagine that with a lot of problems with the cars that you can bring it back same day and your service on there says, Oh, you'll get it back the same day. Yeah. So people often ask us, well, what happens if the car is not back the same day? And I'll say, why, why wouldn't it be back the same day? And then people kind of look at me puzzled and say, well, that's just the way it's always been. That's what I'm used to. And that's some of the things we're changing. We're changing the way this industry works. We're not just, I mean, if they have to order parts though, if they have to order parts, then of course, can, it's not going to be back the same day. Uh, no, ninety-five percent of the time, it's back the same day. We can order parts in advance, or we get the car early enough. So, and we get the parts ordered early enough. A lot of times, what happens is, especially at dealers, this happens a lot of dealerships. The car will get there at eight or nine in the morning. They won't look at the car until two o'clock in the afternoon. And then you get a call at 3.30 and then they say, oh, we need to order this part. Well, of course, it's not going to be there on time and they're not going to finish on time. We have a service agreement with all of our shops that we have an express lane. As the moment we bring a car dash vehicle to a service center partner, they inspect it and evaluate it right away. So by 10.30 or 11 o'clock, we know everything we need to know about any sort of parts we need to order. Uh, we can get the parts in by one o'clock and get in if, if that's if that was unplanned and we can get the car back to the customer 95% of the time by five o'clock in the few times that it cannot be back by five o'clock. We will either bring the car back if it's not in pieces and, and they can, yeah. and then we can pick it up again the next day or we'll just pay for a Lyft or an Uber and the customer can take a Lyft or an Uber home from work and back to work the next day. And then you'll have the car back the next day. I mean, that happens so infrequent that it's just not an issue. Uh, Gotcha. And in terms of paying for the car and the cost of it, um, is there a premium in using your service that would almost make it to where people will go, oh, you know what? I'd rather just bring it straight to the mechanic myself because it costs too much to, or do you make up for that in the savings in what your deal you have with the mechanic is? Yeah, good question. So we're about 30% less than an average dealer, and we're about the same or a little bit less than an average mechanic in one's neighborhood. You may wonder, well, how can you offer this concierge service and all these bells and whistles and not cost more than the average mechanic? Like, where's mm-hmm. the catch? Right. So we aggregate consumer demand. I know a lot of your audience are, are you know, very business savvy. 
we are, we are basically a fleet provider of consumer services. And so we are able to get significant volume discounts with our repair centers. We can provide them projections and high volume every week into the future. And so we, we are able to give them volume plus we reduce their overhead. So we take care of the customer service for them. We always pay on time. Um, we are very easy for them to work with. And so we're able to reduce their administrative overhead. We have volume discounts. And because of that difference, we can still offer our kind of premium service for the same cost as if you spent all those hours taking the car in yourself. And I can imagine definitely, I mean, it, it would reduce the headache for both the consumer as well as the mechanic themselves, because the mechanic is seeing the same person over and over and over again coming in there. And he at that point or she at that point speaks the language of the mechanic. Yes. I mean, we have a very close relationship. Uh, we also have software that our mechanics use in order to streamline and standardize mm -hmm. the inspection process. So a mechanic who may find something uh, on the car, they don't need to explain to us what that is. They can just tell us we found X, Y, and Z. It's up to our customer service team to convey that to the customer. So that saves the mechanic time. They can just continue working on the car. And they can just do what mechanics do best. So our service not only brings volume to mechanics, but it also increases their throughput rate, right? Which makes them more efficient. But how did you convince them initially? Because you didn't have the volume at the time that you started. So at some point when you first started, was there just this hope that there would? And they were just taking that huge risk in offering you that discount on the potential? Or did it cost more in the beginning? Yeah, this is not an industry known for its innovation and for people trying new things. And so we really had to find mechanics, fortunately, in Silicon Valley. I mean, maybe this would have been harder elsewhere. But we found mechanics in Silicon Valley who were more progressively minded. And when we shared with them what we were trying to build, not all mechanics, but there were many mechanics on there who just had a light bulb go off and said, oh, my God, this is the future. How do I... How am I, how can I be part of this? I want to be, this is the way the industry is going to go. You know, mechanics are not the most, uh, sometimes not the most forward thinking, but in terms of adopting technology, but they understand that the industry is changing. They understand that automotive technology in the year 2020 and 2030 will not be the way it was in 1970. Some mm -hmm. people live that way, but that's not how it's going to be. And so there's a lot of mechanics, especially in Silicon Valley, who, are, who don't know how the future is going to change, but they know it's going to change and they want to be part of the, they want to be part of the solution. And coming up right here on Kim and Nicholas on innovation, we're going to hear some of those first or at least initial conversations that he had with mechanics and see how those went. So stay with us. Now back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. This is Kim McNicholas on Innovation. I'm with Enon Weiss. He's founder and CEO of CarDash. It's a concierge service for getting your car fixed, whether you have your dent or a ding, or whether you have just regular maintenance or something seriously wrong with that car. Maybe your battery died or your engine failed. Whatever the problem that you might have, CarDash would come to your house, come to your office, pick up your keys, take your car in and act as your liaison to the mechanic, find out what's wrong. And actually for the most part, would you say, you know, 95 to 99% of the time they'll get their car back that day. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have this express lane in a Correct. sense 
And so normally a car dealer or a mechanic will say, drop your car off before nine o'clock. It'll get in the running or in line for service, but you, they may not even get to it till one o'clock. With your service, you have a deal with your mechanics that you work with that they'll get it in right away. Absolutely. So it makes it easier if they need to order parts, they'll get there earlier on in the day as well. Yes. That's right. And so I'm really curious, you get these great volume discounts with the mechanics that you work with, but how did those initial conversations go? Do you still remember that first meeting that you had with a mechanic and how that went? So I can, you know, I can share kind of a, a, a positive experience and some of the troubles I had. You know, I was a, I was a individual uh, founder, the CEO founder of the company. And so it was me going out to mechanics. And I got really lucky with the first service center partner we established, which established which is the, the car doctor in Palo Alto. And I just, just uh, showed up sight on scene. Uh, they had great reviews. They had a, a good website. They even had an app. So this is this is a pretty uh, progressive shop. So you know, I went over there, met with the owner, and that was a great use case, great experience where he had that light bulb and said, "This is the future. How do I? How can I be involved?" And we established a great relationship. He he emailed me later and he said he told his wife about the idea and she was really excited. She said, "You've got to do this. This is the way to go." Uh, and he really opened up his shop and shared with me his information, um, suggested a lot of ideas, and he actually became a partner. He became a partner of Cardash and helped us develop a lot of the tools that we have now put forward for other mechanics. And so that was my initial experience. And I thought, well, this is great. Uh, I'm going to do this everywhere. This worked really well in Palo Alto. And I remember what was, what was funny to me, he said, you know, I've had seven startups approach me to be a beta test pilot. I've never said yes to any of them, but you know, this is what you guys are, are bringing forward clearly makes sense. And my reaction was there's seven other startups who are doing mechanic beta uh, programs in Palo Alto. Like, and you're thinking, oh no. <laughs> like what, what is, well, yeah, Palo Alto is just uh, an unusual case. Um, so anyway, so we, we started working together. So then I went to other shops in nearby cities building our network and they were very busy because obviously we're going, we're working with, with the good shops, ones with great reviews. And so I met with a lot of owners that just said, uh, you know, I basically said, Hey, I'm going to bring you cars. We're just looking for a fleet account discounts. We're going to bring you cars. We're going to work with you and, and get you more throughput and more business. And I was just surprised by how many owners said, no, I'm not really interested. I'm not looking for more business. I'm like, Okay. I mean, I do understand what we're trying to offer here to say, yeah, we understand. We're just not looking for more business. Um, you know, a lot of mechanics are lifestyle business owners. They have a good um, throughput of cars. It provides good living. Uh, mechanics have a very nice margin uh, on their business. And they're not necessarily trying to, you know, grow, grow any further. And so that was something that um, took me a little while to kind of understand and to help bifurcate which mechanic owners, shop owners are looking to improve customer service, improve, you know, are really customer oriented, trying to grow their business, trying to do everything they can for the customer and build a big successful business. And a lot of shops are, they may provide a valuable service, but it's a lifestyle business. They want to close up at a certain hour. They don't want any more business and they're just happy with what they have. 
and that you know that took me a while to kind of figure out the the signals for which shop is which. And you actually provide accountability for them that they may not want. Some of them may not want that, but they haven't admitted that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so if that probably created a little bit more work for you. You probably, after your first meeting, were saying, wow, this is going to be great. Everything's aligned. This is going to move quickly. Everybody else is going to be on board. This is exciting. And then when you went to some of these other meetings, you thought, oh, no. Okay, wait a minute. This is going to take maybe another few months to get in line. Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time sitting in mechanic waiting areas, waiting for business. Oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, you learn a lot about the shops. The shops we work with, we spend time with the management. We sit, mm -hmm. you know, I worked out of a mechanic shop for the first few months of this business, learning about the workflows, learning about the customer pain points, uh, learning about good practices, bad practices, uh, and really apply, now, now, now we're applying that at scale. And it's interesting, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, having this CEO title, it, it, it literally encompasses every role within the company, probably for the first three to five years. I mean, no matter what the situation, you're taking on every single role. Yes. And it's, and even if, after adding people, you know, there's, if it doesn't fall on somebody else's explicit job responsibility, I don't feel comfortable asking them a lot of times and people will step up and do things, but I don't like asking people to do things that are not in their job description. Uh, even though it's a startup and we're very flexible, we're not too fixated by job descriptions, but you know, there's a lot of, a lot of administrative things that I, I take up. I do. And I do so happily um, because I rather have You're also the chief people officer. Yes. <laughs> I rather have my engineers writing code and my marketers doing marketing. And there's just a lot of things that fall in between the cracks. And yeah, often that ends up just being the CEO's secondary duty. And did you expect it when you started? This wasn't your first startup. This is not my first startup and it's not my first time as CEO. So and it's not my first time running a venture back venture cap venture capital backed business. Well, what made you decide to start Kardash? So my personal experience, uh, many people have a bad experience with their mechanics or dealers and I have as well throughout my life, but I had one particular, one particularly condensed moment of uh, unhappiness and, and crappiness uh, with, my, with my Jeep. I have a Jeep Grand Cherokee and has a sunroof. And after a while, it started leaking after heavy rains. And so I'm driving my Jeep and I'm literally getting water on my lap oh, no. on my way to work. I'm like, I can't, this can't, this can't, this can't last. So I immediately take it into a local shop. They say they fix it. They don't. I take it back to them. They said they'll fix it. They didn't. I took it to a chain. They said they would fix it. They didn't. I took it back three times, still leaking. And, and so it was a cycle because they'd say it would fix it. So they have to wait till it rains. I'm taking a video of the water. Oh, no. Sending it to the shop because they're saying they fixed it. Then I said, okay, I'm going to take it to the dealership. And that's where I just have more and more horrendous experiences. I set up an appointment online. I show up. They have no record of it. I make another appointment online with a rental car for me uh, when I show up. And they say, yeah, sure. Oh, now let's fill out your rental form. It's going to take you another hour to get your rental car. I'm like, this is what is going on here with this industry. Everywhere I go, I'm having a terrible experience. And I started observing that it wasn't just me. It was all of my coworkers as well. I started hearing people saying, oh, I got to show up late to work tomorrow because I got to drop my car off. I got to leave work early because I got to pick my car up. I'm like, this is insane. Why is this industry still operating the same way it did 
you know, for our parents, you know, somebody needs to change this. And so it went on my list as an entrepreneur and maybe many people in your audience. You have your little black book. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's in my iPhone, but, uh, you know, a list of companies that somebody should start. Somebody's got to solve this problem. It was on my list for several years. Um, until, um, you know, I started thinking about it, actually doing this in myself. And coming up right here on Kim and Nicholas on innovation, we'll get that exact catalyst that led him to start a car concierge service called CarDash. So stay with us. Now back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. We're with Enon Weiss. He is the founder and CEO of car concierge company, Cardash.com. And really curious, before the break, we were talking about how this, you got the idea for Cardash, or at least that something needed to be done in the industry. You added it to your list as every other serial entrepreneur does. You have a million ideas for a company that needs to be started. What was that catalyst for you where you said, you know what, it's coming off the list and this is going to be the one. Yeah, it was repeated requests by my peers and my network of people just telling me, I need this service. Go build mm-hmm. this company so I can use it. Um, and that was my coworkers. It was family members. It was people I spoke to said, you know, when are you finally going to build your car concierge company so I can use it? And so you knew initially that it, you wanted it to be a car concierge company. Yes. I mean, one of the things that I recognize in terms of a macro trend in our, in our economy is the gig economy and the mobile flexible labor force. And so mm-hmm. 10 years ago, this business may not have been viable before the days of Uber. Since the days of Uber and Lyft and you've got DoorDash and you've got Postmates and Instacart, there is a very large flexible labor force of people who are delivering and Amazon Flex, Amazon Now, there's a very large labor force of people who are delivering, uh, whether it's food or groceries, door to door. And so the solution to auto service, some people have tried bringing the mechanic to you, et cetera, that. That, that made sense a while ago in my view, but now that there's a large econ- economic labor force that moved things from point A to point B for you, I thought now this is a time to leverage that and move your car for you. It doesn't make sense for me to somebody who's a, who's a business executive to sit in traffic for half an hour, an hour and sit in line at the mechanic. That's just madness. We, there's other people who would be happy to take, Take that on, not have to drive, not have to drive their own car. So our mobility technicians don't have to drive their own car, which they like a lot. Unlike other um, independent contract uh, moving uh, services, they can drive, uh, you know, drive different cars. They don't have to put the mileage in their own car. And our customers can be relaxed at home, spend time with their family mm-hmm. or take care of business at work. And so combining that, I saw an opportunity uh, to do the concierge model. That's really exciting. So what is the one thing that w- really surprised you that you wanted to create some sort of feature or make happen, but then you realized, nope, I, I can't, we can't do it or we can't do it yet. Yeah. That you well, were really disappointed in. I learned a lot because I delivered the first, I don't know, first hundred cars. So I was. Did you really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I was the driver. I was writing invoices in my computer and Excel, you know, in the parking lots, I was sitting at mechanics, looking at invoices. I, I was just, uh, 
you know, doing everything to learn about the industry and, and get customer feedback. That getting, getting customer feedback is so important. So I deliver the car to the customer, and I would just ask them, how did it go? What do you think? And they don't know I'm the CEO. Um, and actually, I delivered a car two weeks ago. I pick up a car every once in a while from a customer just to, just to have you know, my ear to the ground and, and see what the customer experience is like. Um, so from that... You're like the undercover boss early on, you know, (laughs) you're not waiting till the, you turn into this big billion dollar corporation before you become the undercover. Well, Kardash is so focused on the customer experience. Everybody needs to understand um, what our customer experience is like and Mm -hmm. how we can improve it. So I also have from some of our engineers, when engineers join us, developers, they go for ride alongs and see what the delivery is like. But I'll tell you what I found was, was not working was kind of midday key, midday midday pickup of cars at companies. Um, and we also solved that problem, but basically we need to return the car at two o'clock. So I would, I would get, to the, get to the corporate campus at two o'clock, text message the customer, you know, 10 minutes ahead of time, text message the customer while I, while I was there. And then I get a message back saying, oh, I'm in a meeting. Um, even though that was planned. They knew I was coming at two o'clock. That was the planned return time. It's like, oh, a meeting came up. Uh, can you hang around for an hour? <laughs> and, and, you know, typically I said yes, because I want to satisfy the customer, but that means I've got the next customer is going to be late. I've got to scramble to meet for that. And so basically what I figured out was returning and picking up keys is not a viable option from somebody's workplace and a personal key exchange. And so we built the receptionist model where you can drop keys off for the receptionist instead. And we return the keys to the receptionist. So it's an asynchronous key exchange. And the customer never has to deal with being anywhere exactly on time. They show up to work, they drop the keys off with the receptionist, and they're done. And now, to even improve that progress, how we've evolved as a company, now we're introducing key kiosks. So we even take the receptionist out of the equation. We are putting our Kardash key kiosks in corporate lobbies. And if a company out there wants us at their lobby, they can reach out to us at at Kardash.com as well. And we can put a key kiosk there. An employee comes into work. They have a locker. They open it up with a combination they get. They put a key in there, and, they, and they, they go about their day. So the receptionist isn't involved. There's no friction in the pickup and drop-off. And that was a, that was a big friction point that uh, you know, maybe would not have identified so quickly if I wasn't the one experiencing it direct, directly. How did you come up with the idea for the kiosks? I mean, it, did you have companies that were requesting those particular kiosks and what is the reception of these companies having yet something else to put in their lobbies? It's been, it, it did come from companies. So we suggested the companies that we use the receptionist as a key drop off in exchange. And some companies were okay with that. And some companies were not comfortable with that. They said, well, our receptionist is already pretty fairly busy or we don't want a receptionist mm. handling employee keys and so uh, I think I, in, in, just in response to that, I said, well, what if we had a self-service key drop-off here instead? And every company we talked to said, yes, that would be great. And you know, I think it's something that companies are used to. So we have a partnership with Purple Tie, for example. And, you know, we love Purple Tie. They do the dry cleaning service. Mm-hmm. And there's Purple Tie lockers in a lot of companies. Oh, gotcha. So, the people drop off the dry cleaners there and people love them throughout the Bay area. And so we're putting our key kiosks a lot of times next to the purple tie kiosks as well. So it's, I think it's a concept that companies are comfortable with. And I think you have that perfect combination as a, as an innovator 
that you're both a creator and an adapter. And what I mean by the adapter is your ability to take you know, ideas from other industries and bring them into the industry that you're targeting. Yeah, there's very few original ideas out there. <laughs> I think people need to be open to what works and to be able to adapt that and experiment and try and adapt again. And just because you, you don't know something or have never done it before doesn't mean it can't be done and shouldn't be done. Uh, yeah, you know, I was, in, I was in the military for a while in my past life in the special forces. And one of the things I disliked a lot about uh, military mantra was a lot of was, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Or this is how we do it because that's how we've always done it. That's uh, common. In that's a lot my of- biggest pet peeve. <laughs> this is just how we've always done it. That is, uh, that is a big pet peeve of mine. People here at Kardash know never to say that. Uh, and obviously, <laughs> you know, the kinds of people I hire would never think that way. I'm always looking for, you know, what are small experiments we can try. Uh, the way things we've done before is never a justification. It is a data point, but it's never mm-hmm. a justification uh, by itself to do something again. And is there a question that you ask your employees in particular that you can get the idea that they're not problem oriented, that they're solution oriented, that they, uh, when, when I was working with Richard Branson and the extreme tech challenge team, it was like, no, and can't be done. wasn't an option. It was say yes and just figure out how to get it done. Yes. Um, well, I wrote, it's a blog article. I wrote this. It's on blog.cardash.com about three intersection styles. One, and I'll be very brief on this because I know we're short on time, but three intersection styles. One is a police officer in the middle who's a traffic coordinator. Mm-hmm. One is a four-way stop sign. And one is a roundabout. And I asked them to explain which traffic style do they think will produce the most amount of throughput. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll give away the answer. It's a roundabout. The roundabout is a system that decentralizes decision-making and, and minimizes central central authority and i'm looking for people who who think that way people who are people of action bias for action decentralize decision making to the greatest extent possible and are fluid how did you come up with that uh so there was a mythbusters episode several years ago oh. that, that compared <laughs> it compared to three intersection styles and in the in the traffic circle did in fact um, do much better than the stop sign. The stop sign did better than the traffic cop. But I was watching that, and to me, that reflected uh, a management style. People who prefer the traffic cop would probably bias toward more central management, authoritarian style ma- management style. Mm-hmm. People who prefer the roundabout uh, with least amount of rules may prefer the decentralized, autonomous style of management, which is very much, the, I think, what, the, what a startup needs. Fantastic. Well, coming up right here on Kim McNicholas on innovation, you're going to find out our picks for other practical, innovative gifts for car owners. Stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. We've been talking to the founder and CEO of CarDash. It's a car concierge service. So if you need your car fixed, they got you covered. And I spent most of my time during this hour focusing on CarDash because I think it is the number one pick, the most innovative, practical gift for any car owner this holiday season. But I was talking to Enon before the show, and there are quite a few other really cool 
um, practical, innovative car gifts for the car owner that we wanted to talk about and share. <laughs> and I think the first one is the most practical, Enon, the car seat gap filler. I don't know about you, but I am always on the go and I lose French fries. But you know what? I even lose credit cards down the side of my seat. Yep. We've all been there. <laughs> and this thing actually wraps around the seatbelt and it just, the seatbelt, you know, it slips right into the middle of your, your seat, both on the driver and the passenger side. And it's, it's pretty cool. And it's made of neoprene. So it actually adjusts to most car seat gaps on both the driver and passenger seats. So you could probably use one as well. I think it's for almost any car. <laughs> yes, I think the worst is if you drop a French fry or a piece of lettuce and you can't get it, and like, uh, what is going to happen to it? Because it's, well, it's something is going to happen to it. Yeah, it's just going to rot. Well, you can find it on Amazon.com. You can search for Drop Stop Car Seat Gap Filler, <laughs> and I'll have it in the show notes as well in case you need that. The next one, this is literally, I I don't know any car owner that shouldn't have a mini dash cam these days. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's getting a lot of popularity around the world. Maybe people have seen the uh, video in in Russia. Uh, there was an asteroid in Russia that happened a few years ago, and there was like, it was captured from every angle because people have dash cams in their in their car. Oh, that's amazing! And particularly, you know, what's interesting? Can you guess the country with the most citizens using dash cams? I, I don't know. Russia. Yeah. <laughs> because they have a lot of insurance uh, yes. yeah. scams. They, they have a fear of corrupt cops. And so many drivers actually have them there. It's really interesting. And also video evidence of traffic accidents there is preferable to spoken testimony in court. So you've heard the saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. <laughs> Absolutely. A video is even better. And one of my top picks is actually the two guard, T-O-G-U-A-R-D mini dash cam. I really, really, really like that one in particular, but there are, there are a lot. You just have to, I don't know if you have any advice for people that want to buy dash cams. Well, I think some people may be hesitant if their friends haven't seen it yet, but it's really a logical step. You know, we record so much of our lives and there's so much risk, potential liability when driving, uh, capturing one's, one's ride and, and, and history you know, could, could pay dividends. It's, it's a serious uh, uh, value to them. And what about, what do you think is the number one on the list, J.D. Power's list or its latest report in terms of the biggest problem that people have with cars? Battery uh, failure. Yeah, starting their cars. <laughs> we get that. You know, we're, we're open pretty much 24-7, so we get calls all the time. Uh, from people who need uh, help starting their car. Oh my God, I didn't even know you were open 24-7. Are you kidding? Yep. Uh, we, we can't service cars 24-7, no. but we, uh, we provide customer service 24-7. Oh, that's amazing. I had no idea. Well, one of my favorite gifts, I think that should be in any car, it doesn't work in every situation, but mainly if you um, leave the lights on in your car or you don't close your trunk right away, and your battery ends up losing its charge. There is something pretty cool that I found. It's a glove box car jump starter, and it plugs right into your cigarette lighter. And in about 10 minutes, you have enough charge to at least get you home or to a safe spot. But as when in the, with any other jump start, you have to keep the car running still for 45 minutes. 
to get that full effect. Yeah, and, and that, would, that would probably help, be helpful if you have a healthy battery and just left the lights on or something like that. Um, that will get it uh, started back up. But even if you, I mean, if your bat- car battery is literally dead, dead, does it help to have another car there? Can you still jumpstart it with another car? Uh, usually, yes, uh, right? If the battery's dead, because the battery just provides that initial burst of energy uh, to the car to get started. Uh, but then as soon as you're finished driving, your car is going to be dead again. So basically, if that happens, uh, drive it to the shop. <laughs> yeah, drive it straight to the shop or call Kardash <laughs> and say, can you please get back up my car? Yeah. But wait a minute, you still need a tow truck at that point. How does oh, that we, work with a tow truck? We, you know, we jump people's cars. That's a very common. We get, call, we get calls and people sign up online all the time. We'll go to their house, jump their car, take it in for service for them. Oh, that's amazing. And I have one more favorite just along the lines of kind of broken down cars. And um, what happens, you know, when your check engine light comes on? There's so many different reasons it could come on. It could come on for regular maintenance. It could come on because there's a serious problem. Um, there is a gadget actually, and you're going to be able to explain this a little bit better than I am, but it's called fixed F I X D. And it was created by female founders who were tired of their friends getting taken advantage of by mechanics, which is why you started also Kardash, but it lets you know what's happening with your car. When your check engine light goes on, it plugs into that same diagnostics diagnostics port that your mechanic uses. Yes, and that's a great for the, a lot of the do-it-yourselfers at home who really want to understand themselves what's happening with the car. The mm-hmm. car, you know, modern cars tell you a lot. It can tell you a lot about what's happening. You just need to be able to access it. And so this device plugs into the diagnostic port. It syncs with your smartphone and will tell you what all the, for the most part, what all the codes are that is going on with the car. You don't have to spend $10,000 on an expensive computer to do that. And do you think even with using a service like yours that it is helpful to have one of these so that maybe your um, your customer support representatives even have some, you know, more specific information going into the mechanic? Yes, because that can help us in choosing the right shop. We're always looking for the shop that will save the customer as much money as possible. And so that also depends on the complexity of the work. If we know that. Uh, there's a check engine light on it and we know ahead of time that it's a relatively simple procedure, we can probably do it at a lower cost uh, facility. If it's going to be something more complicated, which we hope, obviously we hope it's not, um, that changes the, um, you know, the, the paradigm of what kind of service centers we can take it to. And so having that information is always helpful. Plus it's just a, you know, it's just an anxiety reducer. You're driving around, you've got an engine light on your car. You don't know what's going on you know, you can find out very quickly and it just, it gives you a little more confidence in terms of what's going to happen to your car. Yeah, I think so as well. I think the the more things that you can have, the more tools that you can have, I mean, even an air pressure gauge, I think that that's even helpful for most car owners. I keep one in my glove compartment Yes, for my tires. Yeah. And especially with the weather changing, sometimes just colder air will cause, uh, you know, the air to Mm -hmm. pressure the change. And, you know, that can, that can be a very easy fix for people. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Enon Weiss, he is the founder and CEO of Cardash.com. I hope everyone has a really fantastic holiday season. This has been Kim McNicholas on Innovation. You can connect with Kim on Facebook forward slash Kim McNicholas or email Kim McNicholas at gmail.com. 
Be sure to join us again next Friday at 1 for Kim McNicholas on Innovation. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.